0: Hello and welcome to Refreshingly Honest Christian. My name is David Metcalf, I am your host. And today's episode, we've got an incredible guest, Justin McRoberts. He's a singer, songwriter, author, speaker, and retreat leader. And he's on the show today to talk about his new books. One is called May It Be So, the other is called Prayer. (laughs) So, aptly named, 40 Days of Practice, and in it, it's it's really just an invitation to kind of go deeper with God. And, and in these books, he he just argues that prayer is for everyone. And just in the conversation alone that we had together, we talk a lot about authenticity in our faith. And we talk about the real stuff, lament and all the darkness that is kind of welling inside us. And what do we do with that? And do we take that to God? What it so all of that is there, and uh, it's really great. And uh, not to mention, we also play one of his songs from his new EP, "Curse of the Faithful." And so, stick around for that. It is great and just such a such a good song. But before we get into it, just so you know, we have a Patreon where you can support us in the show. If you get anything out of these conversations, uh, then I would definitely encourage you to check out. Our little Patreon page, you can go check it out at patreon.com slash Refreshingly Honest Christian. Uh, we're doing some new things over there. We've got some new rewards. We're doing a monthly Zoom hangout, so that's that's new. We're also working on some new merch lines and just really engaging with this community of ours. And so head on over to Patreon and uh, check it out. We're also giving away Jesus pin, so you can show your support for the podcast and uh, if you like the show, well, it's it, it means a lot. So there's that. And uh, so uh, enough plugs for the Patreon. But yeah, again, it just means a lot if you want to support the show. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Justin McRoberts. Enjoy. Justin McRoberts, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, I'm happy to have you. It has been a long time coming. Wouldn't you agree?
1: <laughs> we have been talking about doing this yeah. for a long time. We're like Congress. We're like, here's some stuff we're gonna do. Yeah. Later.
0: Yeah. Later. Uh, down the road. Yeah. Kick the can. Yeah. Down the road. We're really
1: serious about this. That's right. at some point.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm just glad we could finally make it happen. I've, I've been wanting to have you on. You have books that I really love, May It Be So, Prayer, like guided books, Uh, really love it. Before we dive in, so you are an author, you're a coach, a songwriter, you also host the At Sea podcast. Yes. And you wrote these books alongside Scott Erickson, also known as Mm -hmm. Scott the Painter, at Mm -hmm. Instagram, that's where you can find him, but he illustrates your words in just such a a great way way i'd like to talk a bit about that today but i really yeah. do love it i just have to say i i always like when i whenever i talk about somebody's book i want to like upfront be like tell you what i love about it so yeah. so it's it's so beautifully done i feel like authors don't often hear enough praise because like you you go off in a writing shed or something and you do it by yourself and then you want to hear some affirmation. Come on. There's nothing yes, wrong with that. I I agree. Give, give, give me. So I really I'll have, I have found it helpful when I found myself not having, having the words to pray and it's kind of like speaking in tongues, you know, like the lazy man's hmm. prayer. I don't know. Like, yeah,
1: like, yeah, I'll take that. I get that.
0: <laughs> but like, I'll turn, I turn to this and it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, there's, there's different prayers. I mean, well, it, the book never changes the prayers stay the same but like i come to these prayers at different times and i hear them differently so first off actually my question to you is i'm wondering how would you define prayer it, maybe that's a good starting place i feel like we often get so close to yeah. these terms that we actually lose the meaning behind them
1: i agree i experience prayer in a few different ways but the definition wise i i would this is broad enough i think i feel comfortable with the way we define it in the book, or the way we talk about it in the book, in the context of the book is prayer is the ever-present, kind of ongoing conversation between a person and the divine.
2: Mm.
1: So it's so prayer, in a sense, is always there's always something of prayer happening, and then there's the intentionalization of prayer, which is like so we talk about the practice of prayer, <clears throat> the the particular motion, the hand a hand folding or kneeling or silence or speaking out loud. Those are the those are the functional elements of prayer, but prayer is the thing that is constantly true, which is that as a human being, I am continually in relationship, some way, shape or form in relationship with the divine. Mm. So there's an active element to that, that I would rather call a practice of prayer, but prayer is that connection between people and the divine. I would tack onto that at this point. I would, I would also say that the prayer is the ever-present ongoing conversation between a person and God and themselves. In mm. other words, that it's not just this. Yeah. But the prayer is also a thing that as I is insofar as I'm I'm in relationship with myself in the context of my relationship with the divine, when I practice prayer, it has every bit to do with what's happening in like in my heart, my soul, my psychology. So yeah. part of why part of why I'm tacking that part on, the prayer, yes, is the ever present ongoing conversation between a person and, and God or a person and the divine. And prayer is also the conversation I'm having with myself in the context of my relationship with the divine, because I'm not trying to, and this is like a big deal to some degree, I'm not trying to get God to change God's mind Mm. all the time. Mm. Sometimes I am. I really would like God to change (laughs) God's mind. Yeah, right. But the thing that changes over the course, and this is cheesy, near like Hallmark, 1990s, Hallmark level stuff, but like the thing that changes more so than anything else is me. Mm and the more i'm conscious of that the more i know that's part of what i'm up to in prayer yeah right so it's so when i go to pray and i use particular words or i hang out on a specific image or you know use that book or some other book part of what i know as a maturing and growing adult is that i'm being shaped and formed so i'm not trying to find a way to connect to just connect with god yeah sure that's fine more than fine that's great and that's in my heart to do yeah i'm also trying to find a way for me to express to be formed to be changed so prayer has at least as much to do with the relationship i have with myself. Mm. So prayer is the ever-present ongoing conversation between myself and the divine and me.
0: That's good. I love that. Yeah, it to me what what you're saying it sounds to me like it's not just this game of telephone between you and God. <laughs> like what what, right. what what is God, you know, what does he what does he want? What what does he want from me? It's a lot of internal reflection as well which I think is needed for any serious level of prayer or any yes. meaningful level of prayer and that that that, yes. that, that I mean in and of itself it, it makes prayer not just like another religious word I feel like it, it's way more yeah. animated and interesting and, and exciting really you it's know? more human yeah. too right it's yeah.
1: like prayers not' prayer not this thing that happens it's like a the spiritual mist mm. it's a it's a human function yeah there's poetry to it there's baseness to it Mm. sometimes there are curse words to it sometimes there are sometimes it's beautiful sometimes it's it's good well it's all it's all the time beautiful i guess in a sense but like what i mean sometimes it's articulate sometimes it's not articulate sometimes (laughs) i know what i'm doing sometimes i really don't yeah that like it's not this thing i have to mold myself that's the important part i think for me prayer is not a thing i have to figure out how to do yeah where There's like a way over here. There's a thing, there's a thing in prayer. I have to get myself into prayer. Yeah. Prayers happen. Yeah, if I'm connected. If I believe what I believe about God, mm. theologically, emotionally, spiritually, if I believe what I believe about God, then I'm constantly in conversation, I'm constantly in connection with and in relationship to God.
0: Constantly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So prayer then is the actualization of that. And just like any relationship, I'm going to go back to the whole thing we've been saying since like 84 or whatever. <laughs> it's not a religion, it's a relationship. When That's we're, right. well, guys, it's kind of both. But <laughs> uh, the religion part of it is, I have to, I, you and I can be in relationship. You, this is what we talked about just a minute ago. It's like, hey, let's do a podcast. Cool, yeah, let's do a podcast. But it's not until we do the damn work and actually <laughs> like find a date that works for both of us. They're like, oh, now we're doing a podcast. Totally. So you actually have to actualize that. Yeah. And it had to work for our schedules. Mm-hmm. Had to work for like, how, how is your life working? How's my life working? So it's not like prayers is this thing that happens over here. It's like, how does it actually work for my life? Mm. Like, what's it actually sound for me to talk? How, what's it actually sound like for me to talk to God? Yeah. What's it actually sound like for me to hear potentially
2: mm. from
1: God? How's it work for for me? Mm. That's another, That's again, that's part of why like it's between God and myself and also myself.
0: Totally. Yeah. It's like a love triangle. Almost. It is. <laughs> it is. One thing that you you make the case uh, with the book is you say, we pray because we are human, not because we are religious. Something in our nature points beyond itself. Something in us searches for and desires personal connection with God. So that rings true to me. I think even when I'm at my most faithless, I often find myself, again, and I, I think it really is helpful, like prayer is almost like this involuntary, second nature like exhaling, like sometimes I'll even, I'll even just be like, oh, like father or something to that effect. Like God, Mm -hmm. where, like, like you said, sometimes it's not always articulate. Sometimes it's, pardon my friend, fuck, like, come on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like it's kind of, like you said, it's very human and it's not always, um, pious or it has to, you know, be perfect. But in a way, I think it is kind of like our way of crying out. And I don't think it's, just like a, a religious wiring or programming. It's almost like that. Yeah. It, what it makes me think of, Justin, is like that classic scene in a movie where, you know, eventually the main character finds h- him or herself at, at their wits end and they, and they find themselves praying, almost like as a, yeah. so often it's kind of portrayed as like a, re- a last resort, but yes. you also talk about how the practice of it feels just beyond our reach.
1: Could you speak yes. to that? Yeah, so I mean part of what it means to be a human being is to recognize my limitations. Like that's part of what, you know, it's part of how I know who I am is knowing where my edges are.
2: Mm.
1: I know where I end. And I think in some ways that that like the moment you talk about in like in the movies also happens in life to some degree, maybe more regularly. Where it's like I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. Like those are edges where like there's something beyond my capacity. I don't have the strength for this. Yeah. I'm not sure I can make this. Like those places where I find like an edge, and there's something on the other side. I think we live it. I think <laughs> I would even say this: if I'm living well and fully as a human, I'm generally kind of closer to my edge. Like I'm, I, I'm at the edge of my capacity. I'm putting as much as as, as as I can in terms of strength and wisdom. And but there's, but I also know there's part of the job, part of the relationship, part of the project, a part of my life. I'm like, I don't know if I've got enough for this. Mm that puts me in a, in a posture of saying like, I, I do want to live beyond me. And I want to, one, I want to grow to that. There's yeah. always like a next, right? Yeah. Because that's true emotionally. I, what I, the, the way I recognize that is like th- well, that, that desire for, for growth isn't, doesn't just come from like, like in here and I just want to get better. There's a vision of how I want to live. I believe that's the vision of the divine infused into like human
0: mm.
1: emotional DNA architecture and otherwise. Like I want more yeah. of myself and of the world I live in than is actually available to me.
0: Mm.
1: That as good as things can possibly get, I actually still want more. So we, so we take this to the, like the cultural level. There's a way in which I, I'll, I, I might be able to get away with this on your podcast. I don't know. There's a way in which like things are better now than they've ever been. Yeah. Globally, culturally. Mm. They're just better. They just are. People used to die a lot more. Race relations actually used to be considerably worse. Yeah. Like things were far worse mm. 10, 20, 15, 30, 40, 55, 60, 75, 120 years ago. But we complain more now. <laughs> and I don't awesome. think that's a problem. I don't think that makes us whiny kids i think that like that that's the recognition of like there's always an next because mm-hmm. if what's in me is not just getting better if what's in me is this is this and i think this is true of human life if what if what's in me if what's in us is a vision of what we call the kingdom of like all things made whole right true just equitable the whole nine mm-hmm. then like there's always that's the actual drive it's not just like hey stuff's broken i'm not okay and i want to get better there's this actual drive for like a kind of fullness mm. and a kind of life and a kind of vitality and a kind of equity, a kind of justice that so like, you're just never actually going to get there. Mm. I think that's, that's what I mean by like, like there's always a, there's, there's always kind of a more, this call to something else. I, that, I think that happens personally. I think it happens culturally, sociologically, sociologically, politically, otherwise like what draws growth, what pulls me into prayer is what I have on hand what I see in front of me, I know is not enough. And as good as I can possibly make it, I know there is more and better than this. Mm. I I think that's the draw on the vision of the kingdom of God. I think that's the draw on the vision of, of, of divine reality, of, of like uh, of heavenly presence uh, around and among us and through us. And that's what we tap into when we practice prayer.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things you say that I really resonate with is... Like when you were a kid, basically, like I just remember, I remember you saying, like you get so distracted by how to do it right <laughs> that you never actually got around to the to the business of praying, yeah. like because yes. you couldn't set up set it up correctly. Like, what do you think for for many of us gets in the way of, of of again, like kind of enacting this practice?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with that. I think a lot of it has to do with like th- there's a way in which I think I'm supposed to do it, and I th- it's usually one of three things. Usually one. There's a way. Where, there's a way. I think I'm supposed to do this thing, and I don't think I'm going to do it well. Mm. And no one wants—not almost no one. No one wants to do an important thing poorly. Yeah. So if I don't think I'm going to do it well, uh, I probably won't do it at all. Like if I'm if I'm convinced I'm going to blow it, and I know that it's important, I probably won't do it. So mm. I dissociate from. It. Yeah. That's one. Two, there are results I think I'm going to get. Or a way, yeah. I'll get. I guess this is the other two. So two, there are results. I think will go going to get ways and ways in which I think if I do this, then this will happen. Yeah, like externally. If I pray, if I pray well, then this mountain will move and this circumstance will change and the, my, you know, my, my life and well being will be more secure. If I like, there will be particular fruits. Yeah, externally. It's the benefit. And then when that, yes. And then when that doesn't happen, it becomes an obstacle. And the third thing. Yeah. Is I'm gonna feel a certain way in it. Mm-hmm. If I do this, I will feel this. So when I give the talk, that the book, that the first book came from, uh, I you know I'll, I'll put up the most recent Google image search for the word prayer. And if you just Google image search the word prayer, it's sunsets and glowing and like this glistening. And it's usually you know sometimes there's a big cross in the background and someone and someone's like this something's Mm. like this and there's like this ecstasy to it it's warm yeah but then when you go to pray it feels you know your knees hurt you can't sit like that for very long it's a little bit cold outside the sun (laughs) is not setting it's really quiet except for all those terrible voices in your head telling you all the things you don't want to hear about yourself like it doesn't look it doesn't feel the way it looks
2: Mm. so
1: the things that keep the obstacles. Like I, I it doesn't feel the way I want it to feel. The things don't move when I want them to move and I think I'm gonna get it wrong. Those are generally the three obstacles that keep us from prayer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I there's in the book you're also encouraging people to not just rely on these guided prayers, which are really helpful. One thing that jumped out at me, I think towards the end and, and I think it was the prayer book is you you talk about how you know, countless people have said to you, I didn't know it was okay to pray this way. I didn't know it was okay to use my own words and make something up. I think many of us are sort of like accustomed to in Christianity, like we have, you know, we have things like we have the sinner's prayer. We have the Lord's prayer. There's like titles Mm -hmm. (laughs) to prayers, almost like with songs, you know? But you say, I don't think Jesus offered this prayer, uh, specifically the Lord's prayer. prayer. Yeah, Yeah, as a way of saying, here are the exact words to pray, use, use just these words in, in this particular order, or you're going yes. to get prayer wrong. I think with right. that, Justin, what I love about it is there's some permission giving going on there, I think. Yes.
1: Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Which I think is what Jesus was trying to do, or at least in part, was, was what was Jesus was trying to do with the prayer he passed down to begin with, which, is, which was to say, like, hey, here's a framework. That these aren't the specific words I want you to use. Here's a framework mm. that gives you like a guideline, a place to to like they're the boundaries or whatever. It's like the here the again here the edges of the thing. Yeah. Here's and and play around within here. I don't I don't think it was a matter of like just just stick on this thing. I, th- I think it was a matter of like listen, there's a particular shape to this to some degree because there's a specific relationship. Yeah. But. Here's a framework that can kind of keep you in place totally. so that you can pray the way it actually works for your life. So mm. recognizing who you're talking to, recognizing the sacred in the moment, recognizing that before you ask for the things you want, that you live in context. And so like there's a kingdom coming. And so before you get to like, hey, here's why I showed up because I want this stuff, recognize your life <laughs> is in context and the God you're talking to is good. Mm. And in the context of all those things, like there's a there's an invitation to like pray as because when you then you look later on in the life of Jesus when he actually goes to prayer, he doesn't pray, like he doesn't pray. It was you know the last the bit about uh, you know in the Garden of Gethsemane the way John records the prayers of Jesus, he's not praying the Lord's prayer. Like he doesn't he doesn't do the the words the way he says them, but he prays in this kind of structured freedom, which he was inviting them into.
0: Mm, yeah. That's really good, man. Yeah, the thing that I love I think most about a lot of these prayers at least to me is they seem very personal yeah. and particular to you, but yeah. they're also really universal and quite relevant I think to a lot to what a lot of us are feeling inside, you know. Mm. And at one point <laughs> you talk about in the prayer book that anger, sadness and disappointment are not signs of a of a breakdown of faith nor weakness in faith. You talk about how expressed as lament, again like yes. another kind of like a religious-sounding word, but expressed as a lament, they can be necessary a necessary act of faith. The ability yeah. to communicate dark thoughts and negative emotions can be a sign that a relationship is strong and we aren't afraid yeah. that our feelings, heavy as they might be, will sink it. Frick, yeah. man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, man. Do you mind Thanks. unpacking that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, even recent I get to give recent examples. I mean, like someone asked me, I do a, 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 an every Monday Q&A at Instagram and someone asked me to define true friendship and I said, you know, true friendship, the way I understand it is like when you have not just seen but endured mm. the worst of me and not just stayed but committed to helping me get better. Yeah. That's, to me, true friendship which means then like you get to have to, get to have to <laughs> if we're talking about true friendship, you get <laughs> to have to see, hear, experience like the actual like the actual worst Mm. and let's be honest nothing draws the worst of you out nothing draws the worst of me out I should say like being in a relationship in which I feel free to be my worst so we hurt the people we love more than we hurt anybody else Mm. and that's because the more I let down my guard the more I allow myself to be to feel free the more like I get loose with my protections. I get loose with my defense mechanisms. I get loose with my, I just, I kind of I get, I just, I I start actually letting my hair down. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to hear me snap at you when like, that's actually the anger that's in me. That doesn't come from you. That's not, it's not you. It's not that you piss me off. It's like, Oh, you're, you've got some anger. Yeah. Yeah, I've got Mm. some anger and you get to see that because you've been. here. Yeah. So, in prayer, in relationship with, in, you know, again, we come back to the thing, it's a relationship with God. Okay, if it's a relationship, and mm. if it's a relationship with a person who knows you top to bottom, mm. then put that on the damn table. Like, mm. then, like, like, set it down. Like, this is where I really am. Yeah. I really actually think this way. I really actually feel this way. I really actually don't like this. I really actually do like this. And I'm never going to tell anyone what you. Yeah. Like, like the, all that stuff, like. If, that, if we're talking about the relationship with the divine and the, the divine is infused in our lives and holding together all things and knows everything anyways, then like lament and rage and, you know, like not in the cute hallmarky way, but the doubt, like all that stuff, like either that's going to be a part of this or we're just playing around with the idea that this is a relationship and then we're actually praying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm actually just playing at it. I'm pretending like I'm doing it, which is fine. And we do that with most of our relationships anyways, if we're gonna be completely serious. Yeah. We play it like sixty-five to seventy percent. Most of the time. With most of our relationships. We're like 65 to 70%. But not very few places in our lives do we ever put everything on the table and be like, this is entirely completely who I am. Yeah. So if we're gonna do this, if we're honestly gonna do this, then it needs to sound look, it should sound, it can sound, look, feel like everything yeah absolutely everything
0: yeah yeah i mean that's true intimacy right there and if the goal yes. at the end of the day i mean prayer for me i've kind of it's, it's been a little bit helpful for me as i've almost like swapped out the word prayer in my mind for this word connection like huh. I'm, tr- I'm trying to like when i'm praying i'm actually trying i'm i'm at least attempting to, I'm connecting, right? Like in the same way yes. that I'm talking to you, Justin, right now or having conversations with anyone, it's like, you know, it's like at the end of the day, I want to <laughs> relate to you. I want to, you know, commiserate yeah. or, you know, laugh or have whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. But totally. I, I think that's, yeah, I think, again, going back to like a little bit of permission giving, it's like, yeah, like lament or like, you know, just like your some of your like darkest stuff. Even it's like, I, I think that is so helpful. And, and I think many of us again, are like the, I, I don't know, for me at times, like the last person I want to go to with my crap is God, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. One, one thing you say that I really love, again, I hope you don't mind me quoting you, That's fine That's but you, you say the practice of lament can uncover wounds you haven't taken care of that need attention. Mm-hmm. So that right there, I feel like is worth its weight in gold. Like how many of us have these wounds that are uncovered we don't even know about. And many of our prayers are just like this superficial, shallow, like, like you said, it's the vending machine. God, it's like, I put this in and I get this out. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could touch on, on some of that.
1: Yeah. Well, so, and some of it is, you know, like most experiences of human emotion, it's not about the particular this is dangerous to say. It's not about the particular event that brought about the emotion. Sometimes it is. There are extreme cases. If you've been abused by someone, it is about the event mm. more so than anything else. But most of the time, it's about the emotion, and it's a, and then itself. It's about the way I experience you. So that's what a good therapist will do. Will say is uh, you know she'll say uh, she won't ask me. So if you and I are in conflict, she won't be like so you know tell me tell me about tell me about David Metcalf. And she, she doesn't want me to talk about you. She wants me to talk about my experience of you. So what she'll say is like, tell me about your experience of dealing with that cat. Because it's really about what's going on with me, right? Mm. So it's about the emotion in me. And then if I've had a negative experience of you, that's about my experience. So then I develop sadnesses and frustrations and angers that are mine and I have to own them. Mm. Which then means the practice isn't actually going back and like dealing with you. It's about dealing with me and my emotions, which is to say that the thing that keeps me from dealing with my emotions is not the depth and the darkness and the whatever of my emotions. It's that I'm not practiced at it. So once I begin mm. to practice at it, then they can like, they gives my soul permission to be like, Oh, Hey, remember this one too? Like, you know what I mean? Like I get into the thing. I'm like, uh, I'm going to talk about the thing about these things. And then like the darker, harder stuff is like, can we come, can we come? Cause we would like to get out. Cause it yeah. sucks down here. And then yeah. my soul starts to feel like, oh, if we're gonna do this, if there's a hole that we can get through it out into the light, then let's go. So when I when I practice lament as a practice, when I when I practice letting go of and I go to a particular thing, this is a thing I'm I'm actually upset about that actually grieves me. When I practice that as a practice, it gives permission to those things that are like subconsciously or like you know, triple subconsciously like in my skin and in my bones that like have never been given permission because what I'm doing with most of my days is like, shut up. I have stuff to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Shut up. I've got stuff to do. Mm. And lament says like, I'm going to give you space. I'm going to give these things that are hard in me space and time. And then my soul says, well, if we've got a place to put them, then we're going to put them all. there So when I practice lament, it gives my soul permission to get to the harder, deeper, uglier stuff. And that's how and why it ends up showing up in a healthy way. Either that or it comes out in bad places where I don't want it. (laughs) Why are you sad at work? I can't even talk about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think dealing with your wounds is something – I mean, maybe I'll just speak for myself here. It's something that I'm not particularly good at and something that I'm trying to do even with some of this podcast, you know. And I think the more that we give ourselves permission – Again, it's funny how much permission needs to be given in these con- sort of contexts, but it's like, even just being aware of wounds or, you know, all that good stuff. I just, man, I don't know. I just, it's it's just really helpful. Having a view of prayer is like, it's actually helping you heal at the end of the day. Yes. You know? Yes. So that's that's great. So going back to the book, would it be all right if I shared just a few of my favorite little- um, I would love that. Yeah, tell me yeah. about it. So, Okay. So for those listening, you're going to have to buy the book to check out the illustrations. But the words are free right now. How about that, Justin? Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in. Here it is. So um, prayer number two says, May I cease to be annoyed that others are not as I wish they were, since I am not as I wish I was. May I cease to be annoyed that others are not as I wish they were, since I am not as I wish I was, do you mind unpacking that a little bit? Like, what maybe? Yeah, even... I can talk about
1: where it comes from. Yeah. So instead of you know doing the thing where I'm like, hey, this is what that prayer means, because you know it comes from a place in me, and hopefully what it does is it gets into someone else's life and draws something out of them uniquely. But my at the time I wrote it, I was part of a church leadership team in whose church culture was in pretty serious disarray Mm. so there's a lot of conflict and because there's a lot of conflict there's a lot of blame
2: Mm.
1: that this is this way because these people are this way this is this way because this is this way and what i paid attention to what i noticed in me specifically was when i thought about what it was i didn't like about how someone else dealt with something that something was me
2: Mm.
1: like i didn't like i was i didn't like the way i was being handled Mm. Which then goes back to that great therapy question. It's like, so what does that say about you then? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Great. <laughs> um, that's great. I'm not, I'm not as patient as I want to be, which is why you come off as so freaking impatient, as, as, so, as trying to my patients. It's not yeah. that you irritate me. It's that I'm irritated. Mm. And if I'm irritated, that means I'm irritable. So that's yeah. about me. So yeah. I'm not the way I want to be. And that's what yeah. makes it difficult for me to handle yeah. you. Yeah. It's where the prayer came from. It's like I needed to recognize that the most of the strife I have interrelationally is because I'm not the person I want to be. It's not because the world doesn't work the way it should, it's because I don't handle the world around me the way I would like to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like it's, uh, the re- I think the re- even maybe if I could speak to the reason it re- resonated with me is because, yeah, like you mentioned with blame shifting. And I think I, I can certainly be accused of, even with this podcast, some of like finger pointing. <laughs> and I think that, you know, there's some kicking and screaming and a little bit of necessary stuff that, that is there. But I think what it does is it even gives you, con- it gives you back the control that you forfeited. Meaning yes. everything is wrong with the world, but like you can only control what you can control. Yes. And so when you look back on like, Okay, well, look at yourself. Like, the reason that you're so mad is probably because you have some stuff that you, David, need to deal with, you know? So it's, yeah, this is just, it's good. I love it.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah. I love it.
0: Okay, moving on to the next, if that's okay with you.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm ready.
0: Prayer 10. May I have the eyes to see this as a good world in need of restoration rather than a bad world and an obstacle to my personal peace and rest. I'll say it again. May I have the eyes to see this as a good world in need of restoration rather than a bad world and an obstacle to my personal peace and rest?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm picking a little bit of a theological fight there mm. because I needed to pray my way out of the a depravity narrative that like the world is the way it is because everything's just jacked because sin because the devil
2: Mm.
1: and i hate that like i and i what i i I recognize that like that i recognize a couple things one that just gave me too many excuses to not work harder Mm. um like well it's just a big bad world and if the world is that big that bad that broken like I'm just going to stay in my lane and be quiet and do my thing. Yeah. What hope is there? Mm. Honesty. What hope if it's uh, like if it, it like it, and that that's where to be honest that's where Gnosticism gets kind of squeezed out of Christianity. Yeah. Because if it's all that terrible, then I'd rather not mess with it at all. So I'd rather deal with a theology or a practice of life that divorces itself entirely from physical realities because I don't want to mess with any of this stuff at all. Yeah. As opposed to I don't know the biblical narrative in which like the world is created good and God called literally everything good from beginning Mm -hmm. to end that there was like the tree in the middle and and it wasn't even that the tree in this in the poem it wasn't that the tree in the middle was bad it was just like don't go there it wasn't bad You just don't go there so there was nothing bad There was a decision that was made and it had to do with perception. It had to do with like the way they saw the world and they deciding like what was good and what was evil. I needed to pray my way out of an era in which like I believed the folks around me who who said like things are as bad as they are just because they're awful and the world sucks Mm. because it made me feel powerless and I don't like being powerless. Secondly, Mm. because I was actually having a lot of positive experiences in the world that I was just denying. Like I was actually having a hell of a time. It was great. I liked college. Like, (laughs) you know, I I was like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed college and like, like I'm liking my life. And then it was like this weird permission, like, you're not allowed to like your life. Oh, also you're not allowed to like want things that you actually naturally want because all of your natural desires, all of your natural desires are corrupted and they need to be killed and run over by someone else's desires (laughs) basically. So whatever you want naturally is bad because it's natural to you. I was like, none of that made any sense, and none of it felt good. Mm. And the the more I, the, the older I got, and the sadder I got, the more I recognized that I was just I was under the weight of this narrative that was not just unhelpful, but unhelpful to the degree of, to the degree of being fundamentally comprehensively unhealthy and untrue. Mm. And so I had to pray my way out of it. Like I don't want to yeah. see the world that way, but I do. And I was trained to, and that prayer helped train me to a place where, like, I looked around and saw, you know, these are good, true, and beautiful things. And there are yeah. places where there's darkness, but there is far more good than there is bad, far yeah. more light than there is dark, far more pleasure than there is pain, far more, like, far more Christ than there is anything else. Yeah. And I'd rather live in a world like that. So when I want to pray, I want to pray my way into that kind of living and seeing. Gosh.
0: Come on, man just take a bow right now. You're killing it. I'm loving <laughs> this. <laughs> and I mean it. This is good, man. Okay. I'll, I'll move on to the next. Yeah. So oh gosh, it looks like I covered which prayer this was, but it's it just says, may the depth and energy of my criticism be at least equaled by the depth of my commitment to help. Mm-hmm. I'll say it one more time. May the depth and energy of my criticism and I'm preaching to myself now, be at least equaled (laughs) by the depth of my commitment to help?
1: Yeah, so this has been very helpful for me in coaching. It's because there's so much to care. So this is true of a lot lot of my clients, specifically on my clients who work in like pastoral care or interpersonal anything. Mm. There's so much to care about. Like there's so much to care about. And there's enough to care about that you, in order to care about it, well, you'd have to learn a lot. Because most of it you don't know. Mm. And that just gets really, really overwhelming. And now we're back in the in the cycle of like, it's just too much. To sincerely care is I have to go beyond how I feel or my emotional responses. So I can I can feel an injustice, but I don't have to care about it. Watch me say that again. I can feel an injustice and recognize an injustice, but I don't have to actually care about it. And I know that that's going to come off like really, really shady to a lot of folks. It's like, no, you have to care about everything. No, you really don't. In fact, you can't. In fact, you're going to be really bad at caring for certain things. And we're comfortable saying this to some folks and we're not comfortable saying it to others. So for people who are of immense privilege, we're pretty comfortable saying like you're not allowed to care for everybody the way you want to because you're going to step on toes. Right? Like we're there already. We've been there. We're The, the whole like when helping hurts thing And like, you know, folks who send kids to Mexico just to do it. And then like, all like we're comfortable saying like, well, you can't, that's not good care. Okay. Well, part of why that's not good care is you don't know the culture. Like the part of what went wrong with like white evangelical trips to Mexico or third world countries is it became like this alternate Disneyland thing. Mm. And it was like, it felt good to go serve poor brown kids. And now we're just like making wealthy white kids feel good about doing good work as opposed to loving people. Well, loving people then, the whole ball game there is like you don't know and care about, you're not invested in the place. Okay. So let's actually translate that then. Like you I'll just flat out say it like if you're like the the laundry list of things and there's this, and and all of them matter, none of them don't matter. You can say that black lives matter and you should because they do. And you can be definitely concerned, like de- de- deeply, deeply, deeply concerned about the plight of transgender folks and the suicide rate among transgender folks. You can be also really, really jacked up about like what's going to happen with healthcare over the course of the next 15, 20 years. You can also be deeply concerned about misogyny and the, and the role of women in leadership and like the necessity of opening doors. And then you can also care really deeply about like over and over and over and over. But you cannot do enough about all of those things to just insert yourself like you freaking belong all over the board just because you have an emotional response. You just, mm. just can't. yeah Pick a thing you can do something about. Pick a thing that's actually within reach. Pick a thing where you can actually apply your hands. Mm. Pick a thing where you actually have authority and power and you can, and then that becomes care. That's fine. I get it. You, you should. You should feel like, hey, all these things matter and I wish they were all better. But yeah. don't go telling yourself, much less other people, that you have to know about and get all these things right in order to be a caring person. Yeah. I have to know what it is that I'm I, like, and this is, this is the place in general where we end up being is like our Twitter feeds, our Facebook feeds, our Instagram feeds, specifically stories. It's like, I care about this. I care about this. I care about this. I care about this. And then it becomes noise. And I don't give entry points to my own self. I don't give entry points to other people, but like, who's well, so us what the hell am I supposed to do about it? And here's the weird white male thing about it. It's like, I, I don't know. I think it might be more important to be able to do something about these things than it is yeah. like how you care about it. Yeah. Or it is how you feel about it. I'm glad you feel these things, but if you can't do anything, maybe you shouldn't talk so much. Maybe you should be talking about the things you can do something about so that you can give other people entry points and that thing. If it matters that much and it does, yeah. then provide a ladder in, provide a rope down, like, like, and show us how that works by doing the work and talking about the work. We get that yeah. it's wrong we get yeah. that jacked. What do we do? Mm. Uh that's the that's the actual learning curve. So that's where that comes from is like, yeah, there's a lot to care about. There really is. But maybe yeah. I should really only be talking about the things that I'm doing something about because then it becomes culture and then it be- then then it's a matter of leadership and transformation and not yeah. just my emotional response to the world in which I live.
0: Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah, I Yeah, there's so many battles and there's so much there's so much, like you said, even like, you know, it's a good world. That's just in need of restoration. Like there's a lot that needs restoring. <laughs> there's a lot of work to do. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, what can you actually commit your hands to? Yes. And, you know, like, because I, I, cause I agree with you. I mean, there's a million things that I'm passionate about, but I often find myself even shouting off at the mouth and being like, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And it's like, well, okay, at the end of the day, what are you doing to actually make a difference or whatever? So that's good, man. Thanks. By the way, I just want to say, I've also been listening to your latest EP. Oh, cool, man. The Curse of the Faithful. It's so good. I have to say, I'm not just trying to butter your bread here. You've got a great voice.
1: (laughs) That's cool, man. Thank you very much.
0: I've actually been finding myself lately listening to it. Actually, even in preparation with for this conversation but also just cool. going through the book but yeah my favorite song is loving you i have to say oh so, man
1: thank you i that's yeah. a re- that was a really fun song to record
0: actually so f- this is just an aside would you mind if actually if we played it at the end of the show or you're not going to sue me
1: <laughs> okay. no do it i would love that <laughs> okay all <laughs> not right going cool. to you yeah yeah
0: <laughs> you never know i don't know no so, i would love that. that that's
1: cool. i'm honored by that awesome
0: all right, so let's move on to the next. We've got a couple of listener questions. We'll we'll kind of fire through these. I know we got to wrap up sure. soon. Yeah. All right, so the first one is his books bring words and images together to communicate something beautiful and powerful. A little compliment there. Which comes first, the images or the words?
1: Well, functionally, the words came first for both books. So, I wrote I wrote the books and then as I either finished prayers or finished whole books, like I would hand pieces to Scott and then he would either pair an existing image he had or or create something. So functionally, the imagery came second. What Scott and I talked about is that language actually comes from imagery. In other words, like the reason there are to some degree, the reason there are like, you know, 17 different words across the English language for the same kind of experience is because it's like this image or experience is happening in my psychology and my soul. And my and the word is just as a it comes second, so emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, words do come second. Words are the way I talk about more fundamental, primal realities. So that's emotionally, but with regards to the books, the images came second because I wrote it first.
0: Mm, got it. That's great. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fun one. I I, I like that because it's like I would imagine approaching a, a a project like this. You know, there's so many different ways you could come about it, but yeah, yeah. words come first. It sounds like, and then you know, kind of tweak from there. Or, in this yeah. case,
1: in this case, functionally they did.
0: Nice. That's awesome, man. All right, next one. This one's a little bit longer, so I'm going to yeah. take a deep breath. <laughs> here it goes. Um, how do you feel about the era we're living in, in terms of Christians being truly honest, tying it back into the podcast here about who they are, how they feel, what they doubt, etc. Have you seen this change in recent years, Have you seen a shift in the way people are expressing doubts or responding to those who express them? What is good about these changes? And do you see any downside to raw honesty?
1: Yes. Yes, I've seen changes. So, and this is natural. (laughs) We tend to fetishize things at some point and kind of get authenticity. So authenticity became like the thing, right? It was like- this is, it's an authentic expression was what we wanted to say. And it became it became like the cultural equivalent to like organic food. This is organic food. What the hell do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, and and, and, and it ended up happening with authenticity kind of the same way. Like what's, it's authentic. And by authentic, what we ended up meaning, well, unfortunately, what, not we, what a good number of people ended up meaning by, by authenticity is it's just in me. And therefore, because it's in me, it's worth putting on the table. Yeah. Um no. Not not everywhere. And sure as hell not in public all the time. So mm. just cuz you think it that doesn't mean you're supposed to say it. Yeah. Just cuz you feel like it's a good idea doesn't make it a good idea. That's not authenticity. And that's not great relationship. So that can that's great in prayer and spiritual direction. It's fantastic in therapy. It's Garbage culture. It's garbage culture to like if it's in you, then you you have permission, and it's going to be beneficial to somebody.
2: Mm, Yeah,
1: man. One, it's that's not always true. Two, why do you trust yourself so much that you think that that's going to be beneficial? Have you done that well enough? Have you done the work? Like, like, have you loved people well enough to know that you can just put this on the table? Like, so there. The downside is like, and this is fine. This happens for a season. We're going to do some. Yeah. The broad part of this is we're going to do this wrong for a while. Yeah. And part of the way we do this wrong for a while is in general, it just became a value to say what's on your mind. This is my critique and it's enough yeah. to make it. It's enough for me to just, just be authentic. In loving relationship, yes. J- like we talked about earlier, put all of your crap on the table. I want that. And if you do that, you're going to do that in the context of relationships in which people are going to say like, okay, this, we're going to fix this. Because even though this is true about you, it shouldn't be, mm. right? Yeah. So authentic- authenticity became this like, it, we fetishized it and it became a value unto itself. It's not a value unto itself. Authenticity is a step in the direction of wholeness. So for for moving in the direction of wholeness, it should be wholeness we're seeking, which comes with things like discipline, comes with things mm-hmm. like transformation, comes with things like repentance, comes with things like like overvaluing other people's experiences of us more so than we do our experiences of ourselves. And authenticity replaced all that. and has for a good like seven or 10 years. So that's a thing that is new-ish to me in terms of like religious practice. And And it is kind of the downside. I think that will change as folks begin to actually take, have to take ownership of their cultural corners and lead as opposed to just complain or as opposed to just critique. That season is coming where like a lot of the stuff we wanted to die has died. A lot of stuff we want to go away has gone away. A lot of the structures we want to see crumble have crumbled. And we're all going to want something next and new. And what we're going to find out is that next and new thing is now on your shoulders. So your authenticity, Mm -hmm. which helped tear down some of these structures, was a good thing for a season. And now you're going to have to change and grow and get rid of some of the things that aren't great about you in order to build into what's next. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a long, like, you know, two steps further than the question was headed answer to the question. <laughs> no, that's great. It was, yeah. yes, it is good to just be honest about what's yeah. going on in us and authentic. It's not yeah. enough and it's never yeah. enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I honestly, even with the intentionality, even, even in naming the podcast, refreshingly honest, it was like, no, there's a modifier there. Like, yes, cause I've, I've so, classically seen a lot of people who just say like oh i'm just being honest and yep. and i'm just like no you're being a dick and you're you're, <laughs> you're being like you know what i mean like yeah so i i think yeah authenticity is important but you can also just be a steamroller
1: and in- yes well, and again wholeness is the ballgame like authenticity yeah. honesty being who i am all that stuff is like that's great If, if it's a stepping stone, if it's, if it's a part of the process, to wholeness in the same way that confrontation is a great part of relationship. If I'm invested in the relationship. Yeah. Right. If all I do for you is be like, here's where you're wrong, bro. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: This is where you're jacking it up. If all, if that's all I do, that's not a relationship. (laughs) I'm just noise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you don't care. If mm-hmm. I'm if I'm not invested in your long-term transformation, you don't care what yeah. I think about you, and you should. Yeah. But if I'm mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, man, I love you,"
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know that, and you know that I do, and because I do, and because you know that, we're going to talk about this. Mm. That's something you would be like, "Okay, yeah, I'm interested in that," and that's yeah. where culture changes. That's where lives change. That's good.
0: All right, well let's 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 land this plane, as we always say. Just last bit here. So, where can we go to keep up with you and your work, Justin? This really has been a great conversation. I feel Thanks, like man. we just we really just scratched the surface. I'd love to have you back sometime if we yeah. can make it happen. But totally. yeah, where can we go to find you?
1: I'm everywhere. So if you go to any of the places, I'm there. So Instagram, I'm pretty active. I post every day, usually usually twice a day at Instagram. Same thing at Facebook. There's a personal page. And there is a, a page page at Facebook. So if you just search my name, both things will come up. Cool. Twitter, I'm there. I'm not there as much. I'm there some. And then like the, the hub is just justinmcroberts.com. But I'm kind of anywhere you want to be online. Awesome. I'm like this. Awesome. I, I'm I'm like I'm like the NSA in that way. Um, <laughs> I'm really anywhere you are online.
0: That's beautiful. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, Justin McRoberts, thank you for coming on. It's my been a pleasure.
1: Time. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, there you have it, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Refreshingly Honest Christian. What'd you think? What'd you get out of that? Some good stuff, I hope. I am a big fan of Justin's, and I'm glad we could finally get him on the show. And that sounds like I'm judging. I'm glad we could get him on the show, period. Not finally. I mean, it was a long time coming, Justin, but we did it, and I'm happy we did. Uh, So... Uh anyway, if there's anything you got from this conversation, please let us know. As we always say we want to make it a conversation. Uh you can hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also email us refreshingtheonestchristian at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. Also, we have a Patreon if you want to engage that way and really become a part of this community of ours. And leave us a review. Tell us what you get what you get from this podcast. Give us a five star review, go to iTunes. And uh, it really means a lot. We'll read it out on the air and that's pretty much it. So today's episode we're going to end it a little differently and we're going to play, as we mentioned in this episode, a song of Justin's and it's called "Loving You." This is off of his new EP "Curse of the Faithful." and uh, I, if, if you're like me, I know I know you will love it. So here it is "Loving you" by Justin McRoberts. Enjoy) mm-hmm.
3: Loving you was easy before I had learned.